Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung today that give your son glory for him accomplishing the task that was set before him. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we look into your word, that we get an opportunity to celebrate the victory that we have in your son Christ Jesus. We ask that the words that are declared will rest upon our hearts and that we will live thereby. We thank you and honor you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we are on Resurrection Sunday, and we are going to look at one aspect of these events. The whole process has started over a week ago, whereby where Jesus went in to Jerusalem, triumphant, being recognized as the King of Israel, and it ends on the day of Passover where they said that Jesus was a loser, he's sorry, gone and kill him. The same people that celebrated him on one day were the same people that desired to have him killed on the next. And so as we look into the scriptures, we will find that there was a lot of things that went on, and there's a lot of points that we could bring out, but the one thing that has been resonating in my mind uh, the past couple of years is the fact that we sometimes take our doubt and allow our doubt to make us stand still. But I want to talk to you today about your doubt and my doubt. And so our title is Death to Life, Hope is Alive. Death to Life, Hope is Alive. My opening statement is this, Jesus meets us in our doubt. In our forgetfulness of his promises, in the ordinary breaking of bread, and in our hardest questions and requests. But the one thing I want us to remember is we can be honest with Jesus about our doubt and expect that he will meet us there. Wherever you doubt, Jesus will be there. He'll come right there where you are doubting him. And so with that said, I want to hit you with two definitions. The first definition is hope. Hope is a desire of some good accompanied with an expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. An expectation of something which is thought to be desirable, confidence, pleasing expectancy. My quick definition is confident expectation. Doubt. Doubt is to waver in opinion or judgment, to be in uncertainty as to belief respecting anything, to hesitate in belief, to be undecided as to the truth of the negative or the affirmative proposition, to be undetermined. Doubt. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a journey and look at two aspects of folks doubting right after Jesus' resurrection. 
So the first spot we're going to stop in is Luke, the 24th chapter, starting at that 13th verse. It's a pretty, we got to read the whole thing so that we can get a good understanding of where it is. And then after that, we're going to go into John, the 20th chapter, and finish it up there. And it says that the very day two of them were going to a village named Emmanuel, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad, looking sad, I'm sorry. Then one of them named Cleophas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road, when he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's jump over to John, the 20th chapter. Looking at the 24th verse. Y'all familiar with this one? Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in the hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand to his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, we thank you for the reading declaration of your word. We ask that it falls upon the good soil of our hearts in Jesus' name. Now, I brought up these two areas, these two different situations that are, have similar circumstances because both of them were doubters. And as I said before, Doubting is not sin. Doubt is what propels us to look into what is really going on. But so if we are in a position where we doubt something, what our responsibility becomes is to look into our doubt. So we see that Jesus is meeting these people in the middle of their doubt. Sometimes we, we get in our minds that Jesus is not going to come until I get it figured out. Well, you know, that usually ain't how this thing works. It's like uh, a, a child learning how to tie their shoes. They may have doubts about how to tie their shoes, but until someone comes in and shows them the proper way to do it, they will never be able to do it. There needs to be sometimes an outside influence in order to get the desired results. And so as these two disciples are walking down this road, headed to the town, and, and they're talking about what happened I, you know, I know most of y'all, when y'all riding in the car, y'all probably don't talk to each other. But uh, um, they, were, they were talking about the events of the day. And, you know, maybe at lunchtime at work, you know, you just sit there and you don't talk to nobody. You just sit there and eat your lunch. You don't usually talk about what's going on, you know, because you just usually be there quiet because you want to get right back to work and all that, you know. So you usually don't talk about what's going on. And, you know, some of us, don't do that at all. Yes, that's correct. And Jesus joins them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And as they're walking, Jesus is explaining to them why they're confused. Because they said, we thought he was going to be this, but it can't be that he's going to be the king because he's dead. But wait a minute, he might not be dead because now can't nobody find him. We just don't know what's going on. And it says, as Jesus began to go over with them the results of the scriptures, he begins to tell them the fulfillment of the prophecies that were said. They begin to realize that, well, maybe he is who he says he is. And he is who he says he is so that we can believe what he said was going to happen. And so he began to explain the theological significance of his death. He had to die in order to redeem man back to the Father. And just like that, 
Jesus will come to us and he will sit with us and he will explain to us and he will spend time with us and show us how things can be better. One of the things that I've discovered that when I am in a doubtful mindset that I begin to look at things with a different set of lenses. When you have a doubting mindset, you always look for the negative in the situations. You look at it in such a way that it's going to fall apart, it's going to fail, it's just not going to work. There was a cartoon character named Eeyore in this thing named, uh, called, show called Winnie the Pooh. And Eeyore always was in a negative mindset. Everything was going to go wrong. You'd say the sun is shining, and Eeyore would say, oh, but the clouds are coming. You know, he just had this mindset that something negative was going to happen. And sometimes when we allow doubt to just resonate with us and not go in a way in which we are trying to find out if our doubt is verifiable. Is the thing that we're doubting, is it true? Is it false? What is the status of this? We will resonate in that same type of mindset. The significant other part of this is that the fact that when Jesus answered them and was explaining to them, it still didn't click to them that it was Jesus. Sometimes Jesus sends people your way to speak into your life and to speak into your situation to help you along the way till you get to the point that you can see that Jesus is actually working in your life. I don't have it in my notes, but there was a guy by the name of Balaam. And he was going to curse the people of Israel. And he's going along, and he's riding on his donkey, and his donkey keeps running him into the side of the mountain. And Balaam gets mad, jumped off the donkey, starts beating the donkey with a stick. And the donkey says, I have served you all these years. Now, why you want to beat on me? Now, first of all, he'd have been talking to that stick in the air because I'd have took off running. The donkey started talking to me. But, but he, he looks at the donkey, and the donkey says, can't you see that angel in front of you that's, hit, that's poised to kill you? And he did not see it, but God allowed the donkey to talk to him to let him know that something was getting ready to happen. Sometimes God comes in a way that you don't expect it, but you know he's talking to you, but you try to play it off like, no, nah, it ain't me. You know he's talking to you. You know he's talking to you. Sometimes we get into adverse situations where it looks like everything including the floor done fell out around us, that everything is falling apart, that it has just gone so crazy, I don't know how much worse it could be. And in the midst of all that, God starts speaking to you. 
And just when you thought everything was gone bad, he says, I still got you. You just need to go, do or say this and you will be fine. We wrap ourselves around the fact that Jesus was all that in a bag of chips, but the, only, the other part that we have to remember is that Jesus is human just like us. And we talked about before that he was human. In the Bible study, we talked about he was human, yet when the temptation come, came, he did not fall. He operated within the, the confines of the scripture, but y'all saying, well, he should be able to do that because he's Jesus. Well, don't, don't try to play it off like that. He limited himself in his divinity, and even though he was fully divine, he allowed his human self to also be able to make the decisions. And so this caused a conflict that we see today that sometimes we see the little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, and sometimes we like to look at the shoulder and listen to the shoulder with the devil. Now, when we look at Thomas, Thomas became so famous that we've added an adjective to his name. We call him Doubting Thomas. Like, doubting is a bad thing. See, that's how we, we, we mess folks up because we, we make them think that doubting is a bad thing. I'm telling you, doubting is not a bad thing. When it becomes bad is when you rest in it and you let it marinate instead of pursuing to get the answer to whatever it is you're doubting. So we got Thomas who said, I don't care what y'all say. Until I see it for myself, I ain't believing a word. I ain't trusting none of y'all jokers. And so Thomas and the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that none of them are in total faith or total doubt. They're just like us. They are battling fear. They're battling their doubt. They're going through this situation where their teacher, their leader, the person that they perceive to be the king of kings and the lord of lords is gone. So now they're going through this situation of grief. And they're struggling to see how does my faith fit in to what I just experienced? And sometimes things happen in our lives where we're saying, Lord, I wasn't expecting this. I don't understand this. And I, to be honest, I don't see how you working in this. I know y'all don't say that. Y'all know he working in everything. And y'all be like, Lord, be praised. I know you got the victory. But sometimes I'm just like, Lord, I can't see you in this. I need you to help me along this path. I trust you. I believe in you. But some, I just, this just ain't clicking right. This ain't going right. This isn't how I perceived it was going to happen. So help me through this situation. And so we get an opportunity to point our fingers at Thomas and say, ha, 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 Thomas was doubting. But you remember, when you point a finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself. 
And a lot of times what we try to make fun of folks is because it's something that is a deficiency in us and we're just trying to deflect onto the other person. Look straight ahead, won't nobody know I'm talking about you. And so Thomas is often vilified by Christians because he expressed how he felt. He didn't try to hold it in and make it look like he was believing. He said, I don't believe y'all until I see for myself. And sometimes we got to get that mindset. I hear what you're saying, but let me do it for myself. The Bible talks about these people called the Bereans. And when Paul would come in there and tell them stuff, they'd be like, okay, all right, yeah, we hear you, we hear you. Then they would go back and research it for themselves. And sometimes we got to listen to what's being said, but then we got to go back and research it for ourselves. So that it becomes not only knowledge, but it also becomes what? Understanding. Because once we understand, then guess what doubt does? It leaves. Because once you understand why, then you know why the why. So sometimes our perceptions can lead us into a mindset of doubt. Because they thought that Jesus was the king, and when they thought of the king, they thought that he was going to alleviate the Roman rule, and now, if he did, how's he going to do that? But the kingdom that he was talking about was a kingdom that was not made by man, was not made by hands, was not made on the earth. It's established on the earth, but it's not made on the earth. And so we can look at this and see that as we're moving in our doubt, even doubting how Jesus worked this thing out, Jesus will come beside us. He will open up opportunities for us. He will reveal to us things to cause us to continue to pursue after him and what he has in store for us. And so as we look at this story of the resurrection, we, we realize that it's... A, it, Man, it's a story of great triumph. It's a story of great joy. It's a story of great promise. But it's also a very real story about complications. About us regular people having to fight through our emotions. Having to grapple with fear. Have to grapple with doubt. Because I didn't bring it up, but you know why the folks kept meeting in the houses? Because they was in the houses... Locked up, locked behind the doors because they was hiding because they thought the Jewish leaders were going to crucify them next. So we should be able to find comfort in the fact that as we are going and as we are doing and as we are living that there are going to be situations that are going to try to manifest fear in our lives. It's going to try to manifest doubt in our lives. going to try to manifest hesitation in our lives. But if we can trust in Jesus, know that he has this situation already worked out. As we're walking along the journey like the two men that were heading to Emmaus, he will come alongside and participate in the conversation. Yes. 
Just like Thomas, when we ask him, when we say, I won't believe until, he'll bring the until so that we can believe. And so what Jesus does when he manifests this in our lives, when he reveals to us, it does not cause us to give up. It actually increases our faith. Our faith is the confidence that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So what I want to encourage you about today is you can be honest with Jesus about your doubt. Knowing that he is willing and that he's going to sit with you. He's going to send people your way to speak into your life. That he's going to do everything in you to help you to overcome doubt. If you're doubting God's ability to help you in this situation, you're in the right place. If you are doubting God's presence in your life, you are in the right place. Because when you let him know how you feel, he will help you through your feelings. But if we can't acknowledge within ourselves how we are feeling, how we are thinking, then how is anybody going to help you? One of the things that we have discovered is that when a person has an addiction, they cannot receive help until they acknowledge that they have the addiction. Because the acknowledgement then makes it preeminent in your mind and then enables you to go forward and to work through the condition. That's why there's a lot of men, women, boys and girls that are messed up with pornography because they believe that it's just something. They don't believe it's an addiction. But when something is constantly speaking to you, calling you, drawing you, then you've got an addiction. When all you can do is wrap your mind around it, it is an addiction. But the thing about it is, is that Jesus will come to you in the middle of your addiction. Because guess what? You may have jumped in there by yourself, but he will not let you stay in there by yourself. There's an old, old story that we used to have to tell the young soldiers is that sometimes when you're going through a PTSD situation... You feel like you're in a hole and you're trying to protect everybody else from around you from falling into that same hole. But sometimes you need somebody to come in there and jump in that hole with you and say, I've been in this situation and this is how we get out. And so Jesus has allowed situations to occur whereby there are men and women that are available to assist you in the midst of your doubt. The midst, in the midst of the question that you're going through, that you're wrestling with. Just like the two men on the road, the question was, what are we going to do next? And Jesus said, follow the scriptures. Just like Thomas, when we say, uh, when he says, I won't believe until I touch him myself, he says, come touch me. Yes. Whatever it is that you are doubting and whatever you say I need in order to relieve the doubt, guess what he does? He makes it happen. So I want to encourage 
you all today to not only celebrate the fact that he's alive, but also celebrate the fact that even in the midst of your doubt, that you don't have to put up the face. You don't have to put up the facade. I just believe God. I just know God's going to work it out. And you sit inside yourself saying, you know you lie. You say, I trust that God's going to work this out. I ain't sure how he's going to do it, but I'm trusting. I'm, I'm working on trusting. I'm working on believing. I'm moving in that direction. And if we can be more honest as people, I believe that it will cause us to be more honest, not only with one another, but also with the most important person, which is ourselves. Because self-deception is the worst type of deception. So I want to leave you here today with this. That Jesus wants to be where you are. His desire is to come where you are. To sit where you are. To walk where you're going. To assist you in being more confident in his ability in your life. Because if we can become more confident in who he is, we can accomplish more of what he's called for us to do. Which is to go therefore throughout all the world preaching the gospel. Teaching men and women. Discipling. Causing men and women to trust that there are a better, there's a better way out there for them. So I want to let you know that you've been chosen in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of everything that you have done to, to disqualify yourself. You walk up there and you say, well, Jesus, I can't talk right. You say, I'll have somebody talk for you. Ask Moses. Well, Jesus, I'm too young. He said, I'll be in your lips. Ask Jeremiah. Jesus, I don't even want to go that way. He'll cause you to turn around and go in a different way. Just ask Jeremiah. All I want to do is fight. I'll teach you peace. Just ask Peter. Whatever it is that you are you trying to use to disqualify yourself, I'm here to tell you that Jesus will take what you are using to disqualify yourself and make it so that you are more than qualified to do what he's called for you to do. Just ask Paul. So whatever it is that you're doubting about God right now, we're going to take a moment. I'm going to pray over y'all. Because this is, this, to me, this is, this is so serious. Because this journey that we're on, if you ain't figured it out, this journey is not an easy journey. And you want to have everything you need to be successful in this journey. Yes. And so for us to not acknowledge that I have doubt is for us to say that we don't exist. And the reason I say that is because doubt is us questioning what we believe to validate what we believe. Y'all catch that in a minute. Doubt is questioning what we believe in order to validate 
what we believe. So if I can disprove what I believe, then I don't need to believe what I believe, right? right. Because then it's not true. So that's what doubt does. It, it causes us to reconsider. There's a thing that we don't teach anymore called critical thinking that we need to be doing every day. Let's pray. Father, we know that every person in here has a level of doubt. And we ask that you will touch us Meet us at our level. Reveal to us your direction. Father, if our doubt is that you are not our Savior, we ask that you'll touch us at that level. Father, if our doubt is that you are not our Deliverer, we ask that you'll touch us. Father, if our doubt is that you are not our Keeper, we ask that you touch us. Father, if our doubt is that you are not our way maker, we ask that you touch us. Touch us where we are to show us where you will have for us to go. And that we can use our doubt to validate our belief so that our belief will become stronger, so that our trust will be increased and that we will trust in you more. For you said that if we ask if we knock and if we seek that you will answer so we are asking for you to help us in our doubt we are seeking your direction in our situations and we are knocking to let you know that we want to know you more we thank you and we honor you for it in your son Jesus name Amen. If you do not, this is the best day of all the days. Uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to know him, number one. And in order to do that, there is a very, very simple thing that you need to do. You just need to accept what he's already done. The Bible says it like this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it says that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is just us acknowledging what Jesus has done. Just like the young men on the road to Emmaus, they realized that the scriptures validated what Jesus had already did and they were able to trust in him more. That is our same desire for you. That you will trust in him and know that he has your back. Now the other part about this is, is that this is not a, a single a single person event. This is a team event. And we come alongside you and assist you along this journey. If you're not here in the Simpsonville, South Carolina area, we still would love to come alongside you. Let us know at info at godshousecc.com. We will correspond with you, assist you along this journey so that we can help you to become all that God has called for you to be because hope is alive. His hope is in us and our hope is in him his hope is that we will accept what he's done for us and our hope is that he has done everything that is necessary for us to return or be a part of the kingdom of heaven well friends and family 
That's it for this week. Resurrection Sunday. I know y'all probably got baked ham and all that other stuff together. Had that big old Easter day dinner. Enjoy yourself. <coughs> Excuse me. Enjoy yourself. And next week we're going to be starting off on a new series. Having a good time in that. So until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Thank you.